everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. How are we doing today? Wonderful. It's great to see you all this morning. Also just want to encourage some of you who are coming in in the future. Uh, don't be afraid to sit in the splash zone. There are closer seats. I will not spit on you. I do get passionate, but not that passionate. I remember going to a conference one time and my dad took me to the conference. I was a young man, uh, I was probably about Judah's age, and there came a point where I was so tired and just my attention span was all over the place that I don't really know, I know he was preaching the gospel really good, but all I remember was seeing the light reflect off of the spit that kept coming out of his mouth, and I thought, I'm so glad we're sitting all the way back here. Uh, that's not the case here, so feel free to come in and, and sit close and like to snuggle up in here. Um, we're so glad that you're here with us this morning, City of Lights. My name is Pastor John. I have the joy of serving as the lead pastor here, and it's just been a great, uh, great honor to be a part of what God is doing here at City of Lights. And uh, one of the things, if you've ever been through City 101, we actually have a new semester of City 101 that's going to be kicking off soon. If you wonder, what is City 101? City 101 is, is a three-week class to really understand who we are as a church, who we are as the family of God here at City of Lights within our tribe. We are grateful to be a part of the greater body of Christ. Uh, there's not, you're not going to hear a lot about uh, territorialism here and territory battles. Like we need the whole body of Christ to reach the whole city of Indianapolis. Come on. Amen. Yes. Uh, you know, there are different, uh, different ways and modes uh, I know that there are churches even within the short half-mile radius around this uh, specific building who will think that because we have coffee and we're meeting in a gym and I'm not wearing a three-piece suit and my name is not Apostle Emeritus that something ain't right here. That's okay. But they're still helping people know Jesus. Um, but if you want to know what this family is called to be and who God's called us uh, what he's called us to do, I'd encourage you to come to City 101 and, and really get to, to lean in, especially if you've been coming and you feel like, man, I, I feel like this, there's something about this family that feels like it could be my tribe. We want to help you get connected. And one of the things that we talk about is that God has called us to be a diverse family. Um, that means that we want to be, we feel like God's called us to be multi-generational, multi-ethnic, not just even along those lines, but to be a church uh, where anyone of any socioeconomic status can feel loved and welcome and apart. And what we understand with those things is anytime that you bring a difference in the mix, an intentional difference, what you are also welcoming in your midst is tension. Y'all hear me? If you put two people in a car who have two different tastes in music, there is an immediate tension, right? And, and you can embrace it as now we have, a, we have diversity in our car, right? It's diversity until I don't like what you chose that I didn't choose. Yay, right? Yeah, that's when we're like, oh, I don't know about this diversity thing. I'm going to go hang out with people who like my music, who like my style of preaching. Hallelujah. So wonderful and quiet. <laughs> Contemplation, deep pondering in the audience. But one of the things that I believe, and we're going to talk about this this morning, is incredibly crucial. We've actually already been talking about it in a different sense. For us to not only to cultivate and, and to, or to release and to, to uh, embrace, but also to maintain an attitude or, or, or a con 
community of diversity and unity is forgiveness. And forgiveness gets real sticky. Now, on one hand, we all love forgiveness. And don't tell me that you don't love forgiveness because you were just at the top of your lungs declaring, healed and forgiven. Look where my chains are now. Right? We were just declaring that with the worship team. And can I tell you, that is an amazing declaration. That's an amazing declaration. Amen? Come on, talk to me, y'all. About I mean, I'm just saying, like, I, I want you to get what was just declared. That those who have been forgiven and have received the gift of the good news of Jesus Christ, sin no longer has a hold on me. We are not captives to death and destruction anymore. The bonds that lorded over us and rightly owned us because of the inheritance squandered because of disobedience, it's been bought back and we belong to God for those who receive him. Y'all hear me this morning. That is good news. That's good news. That's good news. Come on, y'all. I repeat this because I don't want us to become numb to these things. Because I know if I came up to some of you right now who are paying something called a mortgage and told you that your entire debt has been forgiven and you have no more mortgage, there'd be a lot more shouting about that than your eternal soul right now. If I came to some of you recent graduates particularly those of you who decided to extend your stay beyond four years and the extent of your original uh, scholarships, hallelujah, and told you that your debt was forgiven. Some of y'all who grew up in the most staunch of maybe church traditions, you would instantly get slain in the Spirit. Y'all will start praying in tongues, and you didn't even need somebody to explain it to you in a five-session class. You'd just be like, my debt's forgiven. Hey, you got another little show. I mean, it just, boom, instantly. You don't even need interpretation. You're like, I'm just glad it's paid. Right? <laughs> We're healed and forgiven. But, man, it's easy to be forgiven. It's hard to forgive. It's hard to forgive, and I think part of why we have so many challenges is, and, and why we talk about it today is because when dealing with disappointment, one of the hardest aspects of dealing with the challenge or disappointment, as we talked about last week, abuse is forgiving. You know, what, one of the reasons I've had challenges at times with forgiving is because it seems like there tends to be kind of uh, this tension, this, this kind of two sides of this coin where on one end, you know, you're, you're raised, at, you grow up as a kid and if you punch somebody or they punched you, your auntie, your mom, your dad, they get you together and they say, say you're sorry. I'm sorry. Forgive him. I forgive you. And then you leave and he's not really sorry and you didn't really forgive him. Right? You're like, you still can't have my french fries when I get some. Right? I'm not inviting you to my birthday party. I'm inviting you, 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 not you, right? We, we oversimplify, it's just like you just do it. And we just think, you know, you just forgive, just get over it. And it almost makes it feel like nothing really, what happened to me didn't matter. On the other side, I think we can make it too much about our feelings and our emotions and what, we, what we're thinking and we don't want to. I, you know, I'm going to be true to myself. I've got to be authentic. And I'm not, I'm not going to do this just because you say I'm supposed to do this. I'm going to do it if I feel like doing it. And I don't feel like doing it right now. And so when we just continue building a life of unforgiveness, and we think we're actually holding that person under some kind of weight of unforgiveness, and what we're really doing is holding ourselves captive. And so... I believe in what I want to communicate today and, I, and as we read the scripture and as we open this up is there, is there is a dynamic that both of these concepts are in play where, yes, 
Forgiveness is an act of obedience that is required. And yet, it also involves our emotions and feelings, but is not lorded by them. And so this morning, our text that we're going to read, we've been reading, going through this series, reading the Psalms, unpacking the psalmist and what it says to these areas. So I want to read that this morning. If you turn to me, or turn in your Bibles to Psalm 130. Beginning in verse 1. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. He will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that when we cried aloud to you, desperate and in need, desperate and in need of a Savior, desperate and in need of forgiveness, I'm so grateful that you did not turn a deaf ear to us, but you heard our cry. You heard our ache. And you did not respond smugly. You did not respond by giving us some long explanation of why we should get this. But you will begrudgingly forgive us. Lord, you responded with extravagant and unprecedented love. God, I ask that you would help us this morning as we look at your words to be reminded of this. Lord, I ask that you would help me to communicate it in alignment with your spirit, your word. And God, I'm asking that it would produce a new freedom and conviction in our hearts that would lead to greater freedom, greater depth of relationship with others, and more than anything, Lord, a greater depth of relationship and connection with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Gabby. I will not have you stay with me the whole service today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, when it comes to forgiveness, it is something that is simple, and yet it is really not easy, right? Uh, I was talking with my boys about this topic, and, <laughs> you know, they, they echoed what I said earlier. I said, you know, do, what do you think is easier, forgiving somebody or not forgiving somebody? And, of course, immediately they're like, or, or no, forgiving somebody or being forgiven. And immediately they said, oh, being forgiven. And, and I said, uh, well, what is so complicated about, you know, forgiving someone? And um, Isaiah, he immediately raised his hand. He said, well, Dad. Our human nature wants revenge. And when someone does something bad to you, you want to do it bad to them, but with a little extra on it. So they punch you, you punch them with like a twist, and then they kick you, and then you want to kick them right in their gut. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're blowing each other up. And I was like, Isaiah, I feel like you've thought through this. <laughs> You've been pondering these concepts. You know? He's like, yeah, we talked about it in our flag football devotional. I was like, okay, 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 okay. But that is really kind of the gist of it is we want forgiveness. We, we, we actually, in many ways, we can't bear the weight of, you know, we hate a feeling 
like we did something wrong. We are in a culture that is so triggered and so crushed, and, and it's not even just the culture, it's just the human nature is to be crushed by shame in the sense that I am bad, or I did something that was bad, or I did something that hurt you. And so our remedy for it, many times, rather than actually acknowledge where we are, acknowledge what was done, to actually go through a process of repentance, is let's, can we just erase this whole thing? And so we love, we love hearing that our sins are forgiven. And that all the bad things that we've done and everything, all the bad things that we've thought, but maybe uh, all, all, the, all of the bad that Jesus came and he just washed it away and now it's all gone. And because of that, <laughs> because of that desire, uh, by the way, that's not exactly how it works. I'm going to talk about that here in a second. Because of that desire, it's, it distorts what forgiveness is and what the process of forgiveness looks like. And so when it comes to walking that out as a people, one, receiving, truly receiving what was done for us by Jesus, but also being able to extend and walk in forgiveness with each other, many times our forgiveness is anemic. It's not, it's, it's, it's not really complete or it truly is just word service. It's just like the example I gave earlier as kids where you're just like, you know, say you're sorry, I'm sorry. Say you forgive them, I forgive them. And we actually are completely skipping the process. I, I want to communicate, and, and I'm going to elaborate more, but forgiveness is a process. Do you hear me this morning? Forgiveness is a process. But before I unpack that, I want to say this. Forgiveness is a mandate. For the follower of Jesus, forgiveness is a non-negotiable. You don't have any leverage in this discussion. <laughs> right? It's like there are certain negotiations that you should know. I, I, don't have any, I don't have any leverage right now, right? In Matthew 6, verse 14 through 15, it says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let's bow your heads. We're done. <laughs> it's simple. But it's complicated. It's not easy. Now, when we hear this, anytime I think sometimes, I don't know if you guys are like this, I feel like oftentimes whenever we hear a conditional statement, we can, it can throw us for a loop because we have, again, we are in a, such a pendulum swing where because at times culturally it's salvation or Christianity has been all about a set of do's and don'ts, and if you do this, you get this. If you do this, you don't get this that there's been a cultural pendulum swing where it's like, well, we don't have to do anything, and we get everything, and uh, it's not like that. To be loved by God, I want everybody to hear this very clearly, to be loved by God requires nothing of you. Y'all wow. hear me this morning? Right. To be loved by God requires nothing of you. You don't have to come to church another day to be loved by God. You don't have to walk any grannies across the street to be loved by God. You don't have to go to any soup kitchens, and you don't have to serve anyone on Thanksgiving to gain his approval and his affection of you. <laughs> so I was like, yes, I didn't want to go to Wheeler Mission anyway. You need to repent and sign up. He loves us in our nastiness. Man, I'm glad. I'm so thankful that having it all together is not a prerequisite for the love and affection of God because we'd all miss out. However, forgiveness of sin is a different story. To have our sins forgiven 
it actually requires something. One thing it requires of us is repentance. Repentance simply means turning. It's turning from where we were, the direction we were, where we were the boss, where we were heading towards death and destruction, and it is stopping in our tracks and turning and heading in a different direction. There, we just started playing flag football with the boys. All four boys are in flag football, and they are all in varying degrees, and anybody who has watched Johnny and City Kids understands that it would be quite entertaining to watch him play flag football. And the very play, the very first play of Johnny's flag football career, he is the running back and he receives the ball and runs in the opposite direction of the touchdown. And uh, you will hear me if, if, if you've heard, uh, I think I'll post the video saying, no, Johnny, the other way. <laughs> Thankfully, he's turned and he head in the right direction, he got a touchdown. So it, was, it, it worked out well for him. But before he could actually score and do what he was made to do, designed to do what he was called to do, he had to turn. We have to repent. But it's not just repenting, it's also receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior. So when I talk about repentance, or forgiveness being a mandate, it's not that things don't matter, and we're going to talk about that, but first and foremost, forgiveness is a lordship issue. And I believe that that's what this passage is getting at, is that you can't actually be forgiven of your sins if you have not received Jesus as Lord and Savior. What does Lord mean? He's the boss. What he says, that's what I do. So if he calls me to love you, even if right now I don't like you, I'm going to learn how to love you. If he calls me to walk in sexual purity, even though I'm daily struggling and battling and trying to figure out how to de reprogram my mind and my body in alignment with this word, if he said it, I'm going to walk this out with him. Because he said so. Not because what I feel, but what he says. And if what I feel doesn't line up with what he says, I'm going to walk with him and trust that he's going to show me how to walk this out. Y'all hear me? Yeah. So if he says that we are to forgive, then negotiations are over. Yeah. If he's Lord. Y'all hear me this morning? I just want to help us think about this. Because a lot of times we, we are so used to having mentors or counselors or therapists and the therapist gives you suggestions, but then you're going to go out and do whatever you're going to do. The doctor gives you a recommendation, and then you're going to go out and do whatever you're going to do, whatever you saw on WebMD or put together whatever concoction of essential oils you came up with and decided to put together. Kelly came up to me the other day, and she was like, honey, do you know what kind of essential oils I should take to do this? I was like, I'm sorry, honey, I'm not a warlock. I, I don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm messing with you guys. I'm messing with you. A whole bunch of people who are like selling them right now are like, stop it, John, stop it. Uh, no, they're great people, amazing people. I, love, I think I have like some thieves oil right now so I don't get sick from y'all. Um, but the point is, it really is a lordship issue. Forgiveness is mandatory. It is a mandate. If he says it, then we do it. Now, I understand, being that I am also a human, that it is simple and yet it's not easy. And why is that? Because forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness is a process. Now, one of the issues that I would have oftentimes is that forgiving someone at times made it feel like what was done didn't really happen. And the issue and the pain and the cost that was connected to that didn't matter. 
and that whoever caused it or whatever price was there, it, they were just completely left off the hook, and now I just got to deal with the wreckage. And that sucks. And I don't want that. Anybody want to sign up for that? Like, that's what you sign up for, just to know that everything, every wrong that was done to you, that you just have to forgive, and that means that, you know what, it didn't matter, and the pain that it cost you, and the, the bills that you've paid to a counselor or a therapist, none of that matters, none of that has any effect, the way in which you've got to now rethink how you interact with other people, and how you deal with the baggage that you don't want to carry into your family line, and the way you parent or don't parent your children, that doesn't matter. Forgiveness is a process. I want you to know that, you know, there is a quote that I think is powerful that we want to embrace. It's a quote by Corey Ten Boom. It says, forgiveness is not an emotion. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of our hearts. And I think that that is important to recognize, that it's not just an emotion, that forgiveness is not, it's not determined by how we feel. However, I think it's also important for us to recognize that though forgiveness is not dictated to by our emotions, we cannot truly go through the process of forgiveness without being emotionally honest. We cannot truly walk through a holistic process of forgiving someone without actually recognizing what was done. To forgive and to go through the process of forgiveness requires us first, first and foremost to recognize something happened. Y'all hear me? We have to recognize that there was a pain that was caused. There was a problem that we have experienced. It happened. It happened. If you were abused, it happened. If you were hurt or betrayed, it happened. And forgiving does not require you to pretend like it didn't happen. Racism is happening. In order to walk in forgiveness and as a reconciled people, it does not require us to pretend as though it's not still at work in our nation. Y'all hear me? Abuses. Deep offense, betrayal, we can recognize it happened and recognizing what it is. Now, I also want to give this little caveat. Because I think it's important, and, and we have to be able to look at things appropriately, is not everything that we get upset about is necessarily because we were wronged. I give this caveat because we are so, we are in a culture that is so easily triggered by everything, where just a simple like side eye or the appearance of a side eye could be translated as deep racism and bigotry and classism. Did you see the way they side-eyed me? No, they had something in their eye. Right? But we're so amped up that sometimes because of what we've experienced, because of the baggage that we carry, because of the insecurity that we walk in, because of the bondage that we walk in, we are constantly, it's like we are just a walking operation game board that is constantly buzzed and, and, and set off just by people bumping into us. We don't have to take offense from everything, y'all. And, and, and I think it's important for you to also know that offense isn't necessarily given, it's taken. Like there's times where people can say things and you just recognize, you know what, that's just ignorance. I, at some point, you have to be able to recognize right now you're functioning out of brokenness. Sin, sinful people sin. Broken people try to break things. And not everything that comes at you, you have to receive. One of my friends used to always tell me, hey, John, you don't have to receive that. <laughs> she said, I don't receive that. 
right? You don't have to receive every offense. So I just, I want to sprinkle that in there because sometimes we can be hypersensitive. Everything's going to set us off. And, you know, we're trying to go through the process of offense for every single thing, right? Uh, So I want to acknowledge that. Like, not every, uh, uh, let me, I'm going to read my notes. (laughs) It's going to protect me, help me not say something dumb. Being triggered does not always equal being wronged, okay? Being triggered does not always equal being wronged. Now, that being said, when there is an offense, it's okay to acknowledge what's there. One of uh, Kelly and I, we have an amazing therapist named Dr. Zoda. One of the things he always tells me time and time again, trigger feeling meaning, trigger feeling meaning. What triggered you? What set you off? What made you feel this? What did it make you feel? And what is the meaning of that? Now, if it's sometimes what we feel is not connected to a person. It's a situation. It's an atmosphere. It's something that it stems out of an earlier offense or an earlier wound or an earlier hurt. But one of the things we have to do is recognize what took place and not be afraid to identify it, even if it came from somebody that we love. And a lot of the times, it usually comes from people that we love and that we know. It's amazing how the people we're closest to can hurt us the deepest. It's because we expose ourselves. We make ourselves vulnerable. What we have to know is that it didn't just happen, but we can also recognize that there was a price connected to it. There was a pain and there was a price. It hurt. It cost something. The price may vary. It may have hurt you in the way that you perceive God, in the way that you perceive others. There are deep wounds that have taken place when we talk about even the issue of racism much of the issues is that there have been deep pains that have spread through family lines. I want to, one bit of information that you should know is that racism is not just a result of ignorance, that there's actually deep-seated pain because of sin and brokenness. Now, I'm not saying that that gives somebody a right to think this way over the other, but what I'm saying is when you dig down into the depths Sometimes we want to think it's a lot more simple than it is. There are deep-seated, distributed, and reproduced veins of pain that have been broadcast for generations. That's why it's so hard to break. That's why it's so hard to break out of these patterns, because there was pain and there is a cost. Do you understand? We are a result. The things and the aches and the things that we feel, every wrong, every brokenness is a result of the sin of Adam and Eve. A pain, a debt that costs something that not one person on the planet could pay for. That no one apart from Jesus was qualified to deal with. There was a cost. It hurt. Some of you, you cannot forgive. You cannot truly forgive because you have not truly acknowledged the depths of anger and hatred that you feel because of what was done to you. Because you feel bad about it. Sometimes we, it's like we get so churched or in the religious culture, we feel like our, our, our emotions that aren't just being happy all the time are sinful emotions. And so we disconnect ourselves from feeling sadness or anger. Or we don't acknowledge what I feel is I really want to punch you in the face. What I feel is I want to destroy you. I don't want you to know happiness anymore. I would like to go Jack Bauer on your fingers. Right? Maybe Jack Bauer's too old. I'd like to go John Wick on your behind. All right? And all your kinfolk, all of them. Just because of my dog. I'm telling you right now. 
We don't acknowledge those feelings. Are we lorded over them? No, but we got to recognize them because it's part of how God made us. It's okay to be angry. It's not okay to sin in our anger. We don't want to allow our emotions to, to, to walk us and lead us down a path of sin and ungodliness. We submit to the lordship, but we can have them. You've got to recognize what you have to submit before you can submit it. It's, it's called giving an inventory. Having an inventory and saying, God, I've recognized this is what I feel. This is what was done. This is how it hurts me. And yet, I will trust you. I'll trust you with this deep pain and this deep ache and this deep hurt. Because here's the thing about the process of forgiveness. is that there is a problem. There is a pain. And there is a person that should have to pay. Can I tell you that if you hate me, like you just showed up and I said something that just made you mad and you leave here today and you see my car and you just decide to give it a nice tap. You take, take those keys and just on my door. There's going to be damage done, and there's going to be a payment required to get it fixed. But if you have no ill intent, you just go out, you're praising Jesus. You might be singing, singing the songs. Grace holds me now. And you, you accidentally close your eyes while you're backing up, and you back into my car, and you bust my rear end. My light just give it. Your intent was not bad, but there's still damage done. And somebody's going to have to pay to fix it. Y'all with me? <laughs> going through the process of forgiveness does not necessarily dictate the intent of those who came. But yet there's still an issue, there's still a pain, and there's still someone who must pay. Where we get frustrated at times is that we want to determine how that payment is given. I want to make sure you pay. And I want to make sure that I don't let you off the hook that easy. When we delay the process of forgiveness, it doesn't keep them on the hook. It keeps us on the hook. Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. What begins to happen is when we don't allow God to walk us through the process of forgiveness and we don't allow him to take to be the judge and be the ultimate one who takes on the cost and the weight of that and we just withhold that, we think in our brains that we're holding them captive while we're allowing ourselves just to get wrapped up in a root of bitterness. And when we do that, not only are we depowering ourselves but we're actually empowering the offense to affect many more people. Now it's not just me that's hurt, but now it's going to affect the way I act, the way I function, the way I interact with others, the way that I impart to others. There's a movie, it's an older movie called The Jerk, Steve Martin. And there were life lessons that he was given for those of you who don't know, Steve Martin is a white man. And uh, in the movie, he's raised by a black family. He starts out the movie by saying, I grew up a poor black child. <laughs> Interesting dynamic. But one of the life lessons that he was given is, whatever you do, don't trust Whitey. When a root of bitterness, no matter what it is, when it takes a hold of us, it not only affects us, it affects others. If we don't allow God to process us through that. We don't want to continue to allow bitterness and unforgiveness to choke the life out of us and to, to, to keep a hold on us. I have friends who have been bound up in church hurt for decades. And there was an individual or a couple individuals that they ultimately had an issue with 
that hurt them and that wronged them, but they didn't actually deal with that specific offense. They just spread it out over the church. So now I can't trust the church. Man, you just can't trust Todd. I have dis disguised the names to protect. All the names are not factual. If you're a Todd out there, I'm not talking about you, Todd. Not you, Todd, the other Todd. No. But what I found is they still are walking in that unforgiveness. And that church moved on. That person, some of those people, they repented. They're actually walking in freedom. But this person is still bound up. And because they're bound up, can I tell you something? They haven't been able to really connect to any other church since then. Unforgiveness, it doesn't, cap, it doesn't put anybody else on the hook except for us. Now, the reason, and though it is challenging, and though it takes time, we can forgive, and we can walk through the process of forgiveness, is not because we're super strong and extra spiritual and really nice. It's not because we wake up one morning and we just have this surge of compassion that came out of nowhere. The reason that we can walk in forgiveness is because we have been forgiven. And can I tell you that Christ walked through the process of forgiveness. There was a problem. There was a pain that came into play when we read Psalm 130, and the psalmist is crying out, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. The reason there is a plea and the reason there are depths is because there's an acknowledgement that what I have done has put me in a very tough position. Sin has given us no, no authority to compromise because what we deserve is death. There is a debt owed because of sin. You were born in debt. You were born in debt. You were born deserving death. We were born with a weight and a price because of sin that would only be satisfied by death. The scripture tells us that the wages of sin is death. I'm so thankful that God did not just recognize the pain and he didn't even just recognize the price. Do you understand that even when they began these processes of sacrifice, of giving animal sacrifices for the atonement of sin, it was only a temporary sacrifice. When you look at the Old Testament patterns of sacrificing animals, and, and you can look and you can spend a lot of time looking at that stuff in the Old Testament. I'd encourage you to read through it. But if you get stuck there, one of the things you just have to be reminded of is this was a temporary system. If it seems like, man, how could this be like, how could this go on and on forever? It couldn't. But it was never meant to be. God was setting in place a process that would, that would foreshadow and prophesy his eternal plan. Which was to see the price. He recognized that there's no one that can pay it but me. No one can satisfy the debt and the depth of pain caused by sin but Jesus. And you can get your pound of flesh from someone... And you can rake people through the coals. Now, am I, I'm not saying that there's not a such thing as restitution. I think that there are ways where there can be made amends. But you can walk in forgiveness even if the person isn't sorry. Christ 
saw the weight. And he came and he lived the life that we should have lived. Perfect. He was blameless. He did no wrong. And him who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. There's a problem. There's a pain. There's a price. And Jesus stepped up to say, I will be the person to pay the debt. I will be the person to step up and take on the full weight and take on the full brunt of brokenness. I will pay it with my blood and with my body. He didn't deserve any of it, but he gave it. Because of it, we, we can be forgiven. Jesus would also give a parable about a man who was forgiven a great debt, incredible debt. And yet the same man who was forgiven a debt and released could not forgive the smallest of debts. And we can read that parable and so easily be like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? <laughs> and I would dare to say, even those of us who have been deeply betrayed and wounded and hurt, that matter, and yet compared to what we have been forgiven from Jesus and how he has forgiven all humanity, it truly does pale in comparison. I want to end, and Gabby, if you want to come up, please. By acknowledging a couple things, by saying a couple things, and I want to pray for you is there is a there are certain aches that don't just go away because you will it so. And I know that I believe that there is supernatural power in the word of God and in the and that God gives us by his spirit, particularly as his spirit begins to fill us and transform us when we receive him, there is supernatural power to step into things that in and of ourselves are truly impossible. There's grace to forgive. There's grace to walk in freedom. We actually need his spirit to walk in freedom. We're trained for bondage. There's grace to love, not just Super, not just in a humanistic sense, exchange goods, so you make me feel this way, so I'll make you feel this way, but to truly supernaturally love, which is sacrificial, which is I'm going to love those who hate me. I'm going to extend love to those who actually mean my harm. In the same way, there's a supernatural strength and power by God to forgive and to not just forgive once, but to walk in forgiveness. And yet with all of those things, God understands that until the return of Christ where all things are made new, we are in process. And we're not always going to do it perfectly. And even as we are trusting him, we're still going to have to process some of those aches. Are y'all hearing me this morning? So what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to hear this message and feel like, man, if it still stings, then it, does, it didn't work. If it still stings a little bit, then maybe I haven't truly forgiven. As you can trust God in the process. You can trust him to care for your heart, to teach you. If you will start with what we said, the first thing is, is it's a lordship issue. If you will acknowledge God, you are the boss. And I don't understand this all, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep walking with you. And I'm going to keep submitting my feelings and emotions to you. And I'm going to trust you even if I haven't figured it all out yet. Lord, I, this happened to me. 
didn't just happen in my mind. It happened. And it hurt. Lord, I recognize that even if this person can't do anything for me, that you've done it all. When I think about kind of a modern-day picture of this, I think about the shooting in Charleston, South Carolina. And here was a egregious pain and a wrong that was done to a people who were just trying to love Jesus and welcome somebody into their community. As a shooter would proceed to kill and rip through this church community. And if there's anybody who had the complete reasoning and the complete legitimacy if they wanted to to hold a grudge it would be those people in that situation I could see that and yet the way that they responded to this young man is one of the most powerful and beautiful demonstrations of spirit empowered forgiveness that I've ever seen I want to read some of their responses to you. Nadine Collier, the daughter of Ethel Lance, who was killed. She says, I forgive you. You took something very precious away from me. I will never get to talk to her ever again. I will never be able to hold her again. But I forgive you. I have mercy on you. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people. But if God forgives you, I will forgive you. A relative of Myra Thompson said, I would just like him to know that the same forgiveness that was said, I also forgive. But I also would like to give him the opportunity to repent to confess and to give his life to the one who matters most, Christ, so that he can change him and change his ways and that no matter what happens to him today, that he will be okay. Felicia Sanders, who is the mother of Tawanza Sanders, says, we welcomed you Wednesday night to our Bible study with open arms. And you have killed some of the most beautiful people that I know. Every fiber in my body hurts, and I will never be the same. Tawanza was my son. He was my hero. But I pray that God would have mercy on him. That was my sister, the sister of DePayne Middleton. And I'd like to thank you on behalf of my family for not allowing hate to win. For me, and I love her honesty, I am a work in progress. I acknowledge that I'm very angry. But the one thing that she taught me in our family was that we are a family that love built and we have no room for hate. So I want and have, I want to and I have forgiven you. And I pray God on your soul. The thing I love about these quotes is they, they don't ignore the pain. These aren't the quotes for people who have just become numb and they're in shock and they're not acknowledging that there was hurt and that there was loss. There were loved ones that they'll never hold again. Sons that will never be seen again. That will never be at family reunions again. And yet, each of them have hearts that are yielded to God and recognize 
that not only will he give them healing and hope, but he actually will give hope and restoration to the very one who caused the issue in the first place. I recognize that there's pains in this room as we talk about, we wrap up this series called The Letdown. There's pains that even as you walk through the process, it is not a race. For those of you who have experienced sexual abuse, particularly as a child, there is an innocence that was ripped from your hands and a piece of you that no person can get back. There was a wrong that was done to you that doesn't just get erased by thinking happy thoughts. And you've tried. Now the enemy has used that against you to think that you didn't really get healed and that God didn't really forgive you and that you're still used goods. And that's a lie from the enemy. But it's also okay to recognize that you were wrong. And I want, I just believe the Spirit of the Lord wants you to know it matters to Him. It happened. For those of you who are betrayed, betrayed by a loved one, maybe you were cheated on, and you feel like to be a good wife or to be a good husband, you've got to just ignore that that happened. And you've got to pretend like it, it didn't hurt you. The Lord wants you to know it did happen. And you know what? It's okay to recognize that it happened. You know what else is okay? To acknowledge it hurt like hell. You were vulnerable, you trusted, and you were betrayed, and it hurts. And you can recognize both of those things. And whatever your hurt or your offense is, whatever the issue is for you, fill in the blank. And yet, by the power of Jesus, you can take that pain and you can take that hurt and you can take that debt and you can bring it to the only one who can pay for it and the only one who has paid for it in full. Now, I also want to say this, give this caveat. It is not wrong, it is not wrong to desire there to be some restitution. Y'all hear me? If you've wronged someone, that's a whole nother process. walking, it's repenting, it's having remorse, recognizing what I've done was wrong. What I've done cost something. What I did broke fellowship. And it's not just dismissively saying you're sorry, but actually looking to make amends. Walking out that repentance. This morning, we have an opportunity to do both. One, I want to lead two prayers. One, you can't experience forgiveness if you have not been forgiven. And some of you, you can't forgive because you yourself have not been forgiven of your own sins. You've not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You're carrying this debt on your own. You have maybe at times recognized this thing called sin and recognize this gap, but it's been overwhelming. The pain that you feel has been so overwhelming that you just avoid it. And, and the Lord says this morning, he doesn't want you to avoid it anymore. He actually wants you to recognize it so you can give it to him. Let's bow our heads. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor John, I recognize that I have sinned against God. That because of my sin, I've been separated from him. I have not received him 
as my Lord and Savior. And I've just been trying to figure this thing out. Uh, I think I've tried to be a good person. I've tried to do this, and yet I recognize that my good works can't save me. This morning, I want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, and I want to receive his forgiveness for sins past, present, and future. I want to receive him. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you are? I want to pray for you. If you would, just right where you are, just want you to pray this with me. Say, Father, I receive your love this morning, and I recognize that I have sinned against you. I recognize that my sin has separated me from you. but I hear you calling me. And this moment, I recognize, Jesus, that you are the Son of God, that you lived the perfect life that I should have lived, that you die the death that I deserved in my place, and that you offer forgiveness of sin and eternal life to those who receive you and believe that you are Lord and Savior. And so right now, I repent of my sin. I receive you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior. And I receive forgiveness of sin. In your precious name, Jesus, amen. Can we give God praise for that? Now, there's one more thing I want to pray for. Go ahead and bow your heads again. If you're here and you know that there's been an area of unforgiveness that's been a real struggle for you, maybe it's a person, a specific person or some specific people. Maybe it's not even just a specific person. Maybe it's a people group. Or maybe it's a, a, a issue, and a larger issue. Some of you this morning, you're not re, you don't need to forgive someone else. You actually need to forgive yourself. There's some things that you've been holding over yourself and you've been walking in this constant spirit of self-hate. And God wants you to begin to release yourself of the burden that only he can take on. I want to help you to walk through that. If you would just pray with me. Say, Father, in, in your mind, I don't, if you don't want to say this out loud, you can say it in your mind. I just want you to say to the Lord, what is it that hurt you? Recognize what that is. I want you to think for a moment, how did that thing make you feel? Did it make you sad? Did it make you angry? Do you feel rage? Even as you're thinking about it right now, emotionally, what is stirring in you? Did it make you feel powerless and afraid? Does it make you feel paranoid? It's okay to look at it. It's okay to acknowledge that. And I want you to picture whatever that is, taking it up in your hands. And then presenting it to the Father. And if that's you and you want to do that this morning, 
you want to finally be free of this burden of unforgiveness, would you pray this with me? Say, Father, here is my issue. Here is my pain. Here is my offense. This hurt, and it wasn't right. Lord, I present it to you. And I ask that you would help me to forgive. Lord, I submit my emotions to you. I submit my hurt to you. I submit my anger to you. And I recognize that you are king of my life and king of my emotions. Help me. Help me. I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage you. Forgiveness is a process. And for some, it will be a process that will take much longer than others. And there's nothing wrong with you. Trust God. Allow him to teach you to love again and to care again and to, in some ways and areas, trust again. And as we do, I believe that God is going to teach us how to be a people who when we talk about unity and when we talk about reconciliation, it is not just a frivolous thing we throw out there because we have more than two shades in the room or one shade even, but it's because we're learning how to walk in forgiveness, because we're learning how to walk and deal with our conflicts and deal with disappointment and deal with ache and actually walk both as a people who forgive and are forgiven. Amen? Let's praise God for his goodness this morning. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.